Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, when you use code DNVR at sign up, you'll get some special offers like how a simple $5 bet on any NBA winner this postseason is going to get you $150 in free bets. All you got to do, pick that winner, favorite or otherwise. That's when you use code DNVR on DraftKings Sportsbook. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today, as he does every week, the voice of the Colorado Rockies for AT&T Sportsnet, the host of the Drew Goodman podcast. It's Drew Goodman. What's going on, buddy? Uh, not much. How are you, man? I, I like you just got off the uh, you, you got done with the uh, run. I'm sure, I'm sure it was at least uh, 15 miles in length. <laughs> It was I had to get a couple miles in here before the snow on Friday because you know, it's seventy-five degrees today. It you know, we're we're due for some snow. There's always you know this. There's always going to be one significant snowstorm in May. Yeah. And it's it looks like we're gonna get it on. I'm looking at my uh computer here, May twentieth. We're scheduled for for snow, right? Yeah, it's always that third week and, and it's and it's okay because it's been so hot for a month straight, maybe even longer than that. I mean, we had, when we had opening day, it was like perfect weather and it's pretty much sustained that for, for six weeks. So, you know, we need the moisture, so it's okay. We'll get by. Although the guys down in the field this weekend between Rockies and Mets uh, could, could be rough going on Friday. If they get that in or on a doubleheader on Saturday, or maybe even a doubleheader on Sunday, if they're not able to do two on Saturday, have you thought about that yet? Well, I don't, I don't have to worry about it because I'm taking the weekend off. I'm going. To, I'm, go, I'm going. I'm, I'm going to uh, watch. You know, I tell you this all the time. I'm going to watch Zach, my middle son, play. They're in the. They're in a regional, and so I'm going to watch him play ball. Uh, so, I'll, uh, unfortunately, not for. I'm, I'm, I don't want to put that wrong. I'm glad that I'm going to be where I am. You know, growing up, we've talked a lot about this. Like you, have, I'm a Mets fan, so it's always fun when the Mets are in town and they have a great team. Um, so I, I guess. It would have been easier to miss the red series. Is that unfair to the Reds this year? Uh, but the way it is, I'm missing the snow and the Mets uh, series. So you're going to have to shovel on your own, Patrick. Look, you being around for the red series was huge. That Kyle Farmer exclusive 30 minute conversation you had on the Drew Goodman podcast was a biggie. So I think you made the right choice. Here's something that's interesting. You, you'll, you'll find this interesting. I started getting credentialed with DNVR uh, summer of 2018. This will be my first time being able to go into the Mets clubhouse because they had already played uh, at Coors Field in 2018. By the time I was credentialed, 2019, uh, I was in New Jersey at that point for a little family reunion on my wife's side. And then the last two years have been the pandemic. So even though I'm going on year five of this, this will actually be my first time really getting a lot more up close and personal with the Mets. Yeah, and there, there's no shortage of. Uh big names and interesting folks to chat with uh, when they rolled the town. I haven't looked because it was TBA, Patrick, the Mets rotation for the weekend. They're obviously not going to see Scherzer. The Rockies aren't, right? Right. Um, do you know who they're going to see? Have you looked? So, right, yesterday in, in uh, or Wednesday in the game notes, said to be announced but if all things kind of line up how i, I feel 75 percent confident friday if there is a friday uh, carlos carrasco oh cookie carrasco there uh on sunday taiwan walker and then on saturday could be 
Colorado's own David Peterson. That would be fantastic. Yeah, that'd be a good story. That'd be a good story. Uh, Peterson out of Regis and uh, University of Oregon, former number one pick. It'll be fun. It, it's always, it's always, it's always great when name teams are in town and name teams playing well, and it'll be a good test uh, for the Rockies. And I know we're going to get into this, but fortunately, I know you talked about it yesterday. They, you know, they they finally beat the the Giants, and that was. That was a much, much, much needed victory. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, the Rockies, touch on the, the San Francisco Giants, how good they are. And then later on, we'll, we'll get caught up a little bit on some of the minor leaguers, uh, as I know has a lot to do with your guest this week on the Drew Goodman podcast. But something you talked about, which uh, I think is a, is a fun conversation to start with, uh, a little facial hair fodder, because we saw it last weekend with Sam Hilliard, looked in the mirror and decided this hit, this beard has no hits in it goes shaves goes with the pants down too. No, that's another element too, is he doesn't have the high socks anymore, but went and shaved and boom, had, had himself a, a lot of success. And so that, that was a, certainly a fun story over the last week. Baseball players, baseball <laughs> will drive you crazy as we all know. And even if you are not overly superstitious, if you hang in the game long enough, you become somewhat superstitious and so he shaved the beard off. And I love the, the quote he had. It was during the post game. I think it was with uh, with Mark Stout. And he, and he said, yeah, it was after the home run. He said, yeah, I guess uh, I can attribute 20% of it to the beard and then 80% to you know the work I'm putting in, uh, the extra work I'm putting in. And I went up to him the next day. I said, dude, it, it's all the work you put in, I'm sure. Right? He goes, yeah. He goes, but it's fun to talk about the beard there are players out there you know this patrick who go no i don't know man i think it was probably getting rid of the beard or was the fact that i pulled the you know i went with stirrups instead of uh you know having the pants all the way down to the spikes players develop quirks and, and they start to believe them i i started asking around about that of that idea of like, how do you bust a slump? Like, what do you do? And Buddy talked about it in, in one of the pregames is, you know, you, you try to trick yourself because you're, you know, you've got all the pieces that are there, right? It's not like all of a sudden you've lost it. Now, you know, your career's over. You need to go to AAA to, to figure something out. But you take a different route, you know, to the ballpark. You eat something different. You just do different things. CJ Crone, uh, a couple other guys said, you don't take batting practice. If, if you're a hitter, you don't take batting practice. You don't don't even think about it. Just just go out there and do do it during the game, but you, you just try to trick yourself to simplify things. And, and there's probably some psychology to that, that makes some sense. And then there's just flat crazy and knowing that it makes no sense. I put, I, I wrote this in, in the book I did, uh, you know, cause Todd Helton, as we all know, the king of, of quirks and superstitions and, and so on. And I referenced one in the podcast this week that, uh, but one of my favorites was that wasn't told very frequently was Todd had a, had a really good night at the ballpark of which he had many, as we all know. And he got to the game or, or the, the ballpark the very next day, Patrick, and he starts getting out of his car to walk inside and he realizes, oh shit, I didn't go the exact same way. He, he lived up in the Brighton area and he said, I didn't go the same way to the ballpark as I did yesterday when I went, you know, three for four with a couple of homers or whatever it was. So he got back in his car. He's already at work. He got back in his car 
I've never told you the story. Well, I, well, you know, I've read the book. It's if right. these walls could talk. Right. Stories from the Colorado Rockies dugout locker room and press box, uh, written with Benjamin Hockman, forward yeah. by Bud Black. It's a fantastic book, but I don't remember that story specifically. This is amazing. I, I'm pretty sure it's in there. Maybe I, maybe I'm forget. Maybe I'm misremembering. But anyhow, second edition. He, I'm 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 hearing a second edition. It might be on its way. <laughs> so he gets Patrick. He gets back in his car, truck. He's not driving a car. He drives a truck. The sedan. The hell, yeah, he ain't driving a sedan. He wasn't a he wasn't a nine eleven guy. All right, he's driving a big truck. So he gets back in his pickup. He drives all the way back home to Brighton. This is true. Wow. And then retraces his steps, complete with where he had stopped for for a can of dip the day before at whatever convenience store it was. And then made his way back to Coors Field. So rerouting took him an extra hour, but he felt that it was necessary to do that. So he replicated everything from the day before when he had a big night. That's yeah. I mean, that's that. Those baseball players for you. That's baseball. That's that's a good buddy quote there on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's wild. I talked with Stu Cole about you know some players that he you know was was with that that were super superstitious and yeah he he said well i had a player that used to brush brush his teeth between innings and i said well, i know you're talking about turk wendell and so we went down that rabbit hole of of turk man who which is what is interesting about turk wendell you think about it is he was a reliever and so you go well who cares if he brushed his teeth in between innings because he was done for the day well no that this was an era where guys went multiple innings yeah no he and, would yeah. I, he, he would be brushing his teeth there'd be the obligatory television shot of him brushing his teeth and he would go back out for the next inning, I believe, unless he's moved, Turk still lives in Colorado. He lives in, you know, in the Castle Rock area, or he did, and he was coaching, uh, you know, coaching his kids and stuff. So, uh, yeah, he he was a character of the game. Helton would do things like this. He would go back in the clubhouse if he didn't have a good at bat, and he'd go in somebody's uh, locker, take his pants off, and put their pants on, you know, their backup pair of pants or whatever, and go back out and. <laughs> He'd steal guys' spikes. I mean, he did all kinds of. I remember Preston Wilson telling me once he's like in Preston's locker putting on, putting because Preston had a good game or something the night before. He's got Preston's pants on. Preston, go wait a second. Those are my gamers, man. I he goes, no, I'm wearing them tonight. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. I, I, hey, I'm missing a couple of items from my locker. And you go, oh, I guess Todd wants to wear my watch in the post game. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> Oh gosh! At, at gonna, least, you know what? I, I'm gonna have Todd on here uh, soon, and we'll, we'll go over some of those. At least, at least he didn't turn around and try to sell some of those items, which might be a conversation. Oh, I day, saw that. Yeah, party. that third round pick of the Yankees. I bet you somebody sounded off, Patrick, and just to, to so we're not having a private conversation. We take everybody in what occurred and I, you know more about it because I, I really didn't delve into it but evidently this prospect for the rock or for, excuse me for the yankees for the yankees if originally a third round pick was caught taking items out of other guys lockers and selling them or trading them for his own benefit and that's a problem and it became significant enough that the yankees um, released him but a couple other players you know sounded off saying, you know, they've seen that done before. And, and there was one other guy that, you know, was released. Some some big league player came out and said, yeah, I remember when 
this guy in the minor leagues did something like that and and got released from whatever organization it was. And it's and it's strange, as you said, he's third round pick in, in 2019, so got a nice little signing bonus. So it's it's not as if how much money are you even making off of something like that? It, it just it just breaks the trust down and. Uh, and it did immediately make me think of Ruben Rivera, Mariano Rivera's cousin, who went and did that when he was with the Yankees and took a couple of Jeter's mitts and stuff. And it's like, you can't, you can't do that. That's bad. That's a bad look. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, not going to follow up on that. It, it, it's terrible. It is. Terrible um, on all levels. A good look is Brendan Rogers and his beard. Of course, they're, they're locker mates. They're right next to each other. They've, they've followed each other all through up the minor leagues really close friends asked him, you know what, when you were slumping in April, did you think that maybe shaving was, was uh, an option for you? And he said, no, absolutely not. He's not getting rid of the beard uh, despite any kind of slumps. It might've worked for Sam, but, but Rogers will not be doing that. See, he's, he's, he's grounded. Brendan's grounded and he understands, he understands that he'll hit and he's going to hit whether he's clean shaven or he's got a little, you know, facial hair. Um, I was kidding Sam yesterday, though, to follow up on that again. He He's, you know, he's a handsome kid. And I said, yeah, you, you look, you went from like 28 to 24. Looks even younger, right? He does. Yeah. He does. Now, Wednesday before the, before the game, I had, I had a little nugget of information that I didn't know what to do with. And it ended up kind of coming up organically where Buddy was asked about his favorite pitchers growing up. And, you know, Juan Marichal, the Giants fan, growing up. So Marichal was the guy. And then like right behind it was Steve Carlton told some really good Steve Carlton stories. And so that was my in because a couple of days earlier, Buddy was talking about, you know, him shaving and, you know, he used to have a mustache. You go back and look at some of his old baseball cards. He had it. And he talked about ah, somewhere 87, 88. We were in Minnesota. It was an early game. Uh, Golden Gophers had a game there at the Metrodome. So go back in the press box follow the, the trail of clues to try to find the exact date that he was talking about. And sure enough, there it was September 27th, 1987. And who started that day for the Royals was Brett Saberhagen and on the Hill for the twins, Steve Carlton. And so had to mention that to him and uh, brought a nice little smile to his face and kept the conversation going on even longer. Uh, Those are kind of things we do to like waste our time. We got to know the exact dates when the manager shaved his mustache off based on his details. Was that that was one of those stories because they had to play like a morning game because right. Minnesota was playing football later in the day and they played in front of like you know thirty seven people and then everybody came in to watch Minnesota play Ohio State or whatever the deal was right yeah yeah so he he had all the details there and so it was just connecting the dots and so that's uh, that's just just funny to think of you you can remember those details uh buddy's got got an amazing memory for all that he has a great great memory and, and stories and i told this on my podcast last week uh the the story about ted simmons were you there patrick when he told the ted simmons hitchhiking story uh yes well, well yes and no i i think i may have heard it on your podcast rather than from buddy's mouth okay well I'll, I'll regurgitate it very quickly so ted simmons is in the minor leagues. Ted's uh, from Michigan, and in the off season, he was he was going to school in Ann Arbor at the University of Michigan. He was working on getting his degree, even though he's a you know minor league baseball player. And he's hitchhiking back from the end of the minor league season to um, you know to Ann Arbor with his girlfriend, who I guess eventually would become his wife. And they get picked up 
by this guy driving a van. It never sounds good, right? Guy driving a van picks you up. doesn't sound good. Anyhow, good guy. He says, I can get you close. I'm heading to Detroit. And uh, his girlfriend sat in the front seat and, and, and Ted Simmons sat in the back. And he noticed there's all this, you know, musical instruments back there and amplifiers, et cetera. And so they're talking because they're in the car for, you know, for hours. And uh, the guy asked, Ted, what do you do? And he said, you know, I'm a professional baseball player. And Ted said, well, what do you do? And he said, yeah, I'm a, you know, aspiring musician. And in fact, if you guys get some time, I'm playing at this bar, this little local bar in Detroit on Friday night, you guys should come on down. So they said their goodbyes when he dropped them off and uh, said, hey, you know, Simmons said, my name's Ted Simmons. Uh, what, you know, by the way, what's your name? And he said, uh, my name's Bob Seeger. <laughs> so, That's it. Bob Seeger without the silver bullet band picked up future hall of famer ted simmons and his future wife hitchhiking across america and uh you, you know because you listen to the podcast uh, i i said i wonder if ted simmons tells that story but i wonder if bob seeger is a baseball fan and ever realized who he had in his band true now he can say hall of famer ted right. simmons and it makes sense yeah it, incidentally the drive uh that day to their destination Bob Seeger was driving against the wind. So that, that is so good, Patrick. That's a good detail of the story you, you left that, out, I think. That was so good. I can't think of any other Bob Seeger songs that, right now. That, that, that was perfect. That was perfect. On the radio, of course, they were listening to some old time rock and roll. I mean, well, obviously. yeah, and, and you know, he Bob Bob back in the day was getting ready to make some night moves. So, <laughs> there you um, go. Yeah. All right. Well, we, uh, I don't. Do we ace that? Are we, can we pat ourselves on the back? We will. We will. We just did. Um, and hey, nice. look, we're we're patting ourselves on the back for the good time that we're having down on the corner of Colfax in New York at the DNVR bar. All of the Avalanche watch parties every single night. Whether you got a ticket to Ball Arena or otherwise, come on down because the atmosphere is absolutely electric at the DNVR bar. If you're a member, you get a member-sized beer. You get price breaks on all kinds of gear that we have. Any tailgates or party buses that we have going to games. You get extra raffle tickets at these watch parties to win some free gear. Of course, the members only discord is popping off with conversation all throughout our community, not only about sports, but about the hobbies and the things that we love most. Meet some new friends there. Uh, and again, it's only 50 cents for your first month at the DNVR.com. And hey, if you're, if you're a little bit sore from your own run or your own exercise, whatever it may be, or maybe your lower back is hurting from, from shoveling this last bit of snow, Check out the Relief Recovery Creams from Escape Artists. It's the highest awarded topical brand in Colorado that prioritizes quality and consistency. Their creams will penetrate for deep muscle tissue discomfort. That's what you need to help the healing process start. And it's not going to stain your sheets or clothes. It's not greasy. It's fantastic. And you can find it at any of your 11 Denver metro area light shade dispensary locations. They've got a great selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flower, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. And now... With code DNVR, you can shop online at lightshade.com for pickup and get 25% off non-sale items. Or just drop into a Lightshade location near you and mention code DNVR. Avalanche, you can watch now finally from the comfort of your own home with Evaca TV. Head on over to evaca.tv slash DNVR to watch the Avalanche. You'll also get the Nuggets. You get all the Altitude Sports package there uh, as normal. CSU Rams, Denver Pioneers. You're going to get the Colorado Rapids. And you're also going to see our good friend Drew Goodman here because, yeah, 
AT&T Sportsnet is there so you can watch the Rockies. And very soon, uh, there's going to be a DNVR channel as well. So, hey, maybe after the game, you enjoy some Drew Goodman, flip on over, and you might even watch this conversation or uh, one just like it from the DNVR Rockies podcast because we're getting our own channel over on ivaca.tv slash dnvr and use code uh, use code dnvr for ten dollars off your first three months so now it's only fifteen dollars per month to start plus the cost of a receiver your price gets locked in for two years never worry again with ivaca tv nuggets abs rockies rapids and us at dnvr as well i didn't know that patrick you didn't tell me that man that's awesome dnvr channel that's it. I don't. I. I think it's public. I, I guess it is now. We'll. We'll, well see how, how much gets out there. So. Yeah, you, you're not going to be part it. of it because they're going to fire your ass because you, you know, you're not supposed to spit that out. But no. Um, no, that's that's awesome. Congratulations to uh, to DNVR and and uh, will you get even more Patrick Lyons? I think so. That's it. Yeah. TV personality Patrick Lyons. There you go. There you go. Mom and Dad will be proud, and they can yeah. watch you. That's true. You're out here, right? Full time. They are. Yeah, it's it's been great. When when the Rockies are home, it's hard to uh, to see them quite as much. But then on on the off days, it's got to make up for some lost time. So it's so by, it's nice. By the way, I'm gonna have to. You know, you, you're in great shape, and you run. You've run. You know, marathons and all all kinds of stuff. But I'm gonna have to coach you up a little bit um, for how you're handling yourself on the road. Yeah. Because yeah, you, just, you just shared with me, and, and I'm going to express this now for everyone else to hear that, man, last night you sent me a text. You go, I'm wiped out for that, that trip to San Francisco, crushed me. Um, I'll, I'll talk to you in the morning. I said, okay, you know what? We'll, we'll get together late morning. You gave me a thumbs up. Couldn't even type. Couldn't even, couldn't even fire out a text. <laughs> this morning I reached out. You know, you come in, you know, you taken you took the uh the old smelling, uh, salts. smelling salts and right before the, you know we went on the air and i go what's the problem you go man i just I'm that i'm just not used to the, the road trips man it's tough so i'm gonna have to help coach you up and train you to better handle the road trips um going forward it's it's really impressive the, the way you're able to do it man because you still go out there and you get your workouts too and then you're you're hanging out and you're ordering the orca down in dc and sushi right. places in san francisco riding a bike back and forth over the golden gate bridge you you're an animal you are an animal Drew. oh wow there was some embellishment there but um yeah we're trying we're trying that's it having having fun rockies man if ever they they needed a win they were able to get it on wednesday buddy even said after the post-game conference like hey let's get a win today they did that probably makes everything on the off day that much easier that much smoother and they're about to get uh, quite a bit better with Chris Bryant returning to the roster expected to be there on Friday. I think we can all but guarantee that because, hey, Ashton Godot was sent down. No no move going the other way. We expect Chris Bryant to be back on Friday after a two-for-seven rehab stint with a double in Salt Lake City with the Albuquerque Isotopes. And so his presence is going to, I think, go a really long way for uh, you know, just making up for for some of the the difficulties they've been having on the road, uh, and some of the the harder teams that they've been playing on the schedule as of recent. Listen, he, he they, they signed him to be a middle of the order guy, and unfortunately, he had the back issue, and so he's missed. It'll be you know three weeks or so, right, Patrick? By the time he he suits it up, hopefully tomorrow night, weather permitting. 
Um, so that's, you know, it's awesome. And, and now, you know, hopefully it gets going and, 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 you know, we see doubles in the gap and, and the occasional home run and that sort of thing. Uh, so that's a good thing. I was looking today, Patrick, at something I know you study uh, all of the time. And, and that's some of the, you know, inside some numbers. And I was looking at the Rockies offense because we know and you individually and me and you together and me on my show have talked a great deal about the need for the Rockies to improve dramatically on the offensive side of things, which years ago you wouldn't have ever thought. Um, and, and a lot of it were the advanced metrics suggesting that, yeah, there's some good looking raw numbers, but overall the Rockies were not a good offensive team the last few years. Um, so I wanted to see kind of where they are. OPS plus is one of the areas I look at quite a bit because it, it is park adjusted. That's and OPS. I think most of these, you know, fans were, who, follow you religiously, no on-base plus slugging, but park adjusted. And the the Rockies so far this year are in pretty good shape with a lot of their regulars. You know, Ryan McMahon sneaky having a having a really good year uh, because he's walking more than he ever has. The home runs will come. He's only hit four, but he's got a 275 at batting average. The on-base percentage, most importantly because of the walks, is well above 350. I think it's like 368 off the top of my head. Jose Iglesias, you know, is is over 100 in terms of OPS plus, that being the baseline for, you know, replacement left. So he's been better than average. Uh, CJ Crone, naturally off the charts. Connor Joe, really good. Gritchick, despite the slump last week, still really good. Uh, Brennan Rogers is below, but that's because April was like non-existent. He's really come on. So I thought there were a lot of favorable numbers. Charlie's just slightly uh, below 100. He's around 92 right now, but it's good to see him hit another home run. Patrick, you know, Charlie, Charlie's almost halfway to his home run total of a year ago. He had only 13. Uh, so the, the power returning, if you will, for Charlie's a good thing. So I thought overall, and I'm, I'm kind of soliciting your thoughts as well. You know, the offense, uh, you know, is better. Um, and the addition of Chris Bryant back in the lineup certainly should should help. Yeah, no, they've they haven't really had too much difficulty scoring runs, and you know, a, a, a weird statistic because I, I don't know how else to really you know contextualize this because it, it almost suggests as if the Rockies have one of the greatest offenses in National League history because on Wednesday they scored you know more than two runs uh, in that five three victory, which meant. 84 consecutive games of two or more runs scored at home. So you got a couple qualifiers in there, but even still, that's the longest streak in National League history, tied for the second longest streak in baseball history with the record being 88. So it doesn't tell you, you know, what they're able to, how many they're able to score, but it does show you that they don't get shut out very often at home, that they are still, even against some of the better pitchers in the National League West, they are still able to grind through those ABs and at least push two runs or more across home plate. And so maybe at least that's what it suggests is that even when they're, they're not their best, they're not, they're not bad. Well, I'll give it, I'll give it or, or attempt to give it some context. Number one, it's an ongoing national league record. I forget what the original one was at 84. Didn't just eclipse the record. It, it, this is, uh, you know, a handful of games that they have moved, kept moving that uh, needle forward. The major league record, as you said, is 88. But to give it the most important context, and that is, well, has it ended? Have they won more than they've lost? Yes. And 
heavily so in that over those games, those 84 games, I believe, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, that they have the third best home record in the National League uh, over those 84 games. So yes, they're scoring runs at least to a game. And most of the time, or more often than not, they are winning those games and that's the bottom line so that that's an that's an important statistic we know with the rockies it's been said for years and years and years ad nauseum they have to dominate at home and kind of hang in there on the road to win enough games to be a postseason club and uh they've done that over the last 84 and they need to keep doing it going forward and naturally in 2022 i like i like they pointed out McMahon about how well he's been at the plate. Cause you're right. I think maybe, you know, he's, he's been overlooked just, just a little bit. Um, you know, he, he was a guy, you know, we, as we talked before about superstitions and breaking a slump and maybe trying to simplify things and, and not take batting practice. Well, he was out there after that, his, his eighth error of the season on Monday, he was back out there early on Tuesday, taking those ground balls. So, uh, was able to do that, made a couple of nice plays uh, in the next two days against the Giants. But his four home runs, you go, hey, maybe not a ton. Right now, there's only, and, and maybe maybe only isn't the right word, but there's 36 players with five or more home runs in the National League. Guys just aren't hitting a ton. I mean, C.J. Crone, we know, leads the National League with 10 home runs. It, what was it, two weeks be- between you know his last home run and, and the one he was able to hit uh, in a really big spot in the eighth inning on Wednesday? So, you know, the ball is, isn't flying uh, like it's been in, in the last couple of seasons. So those four home runs still probably puts him on pace for, you know, 20 plus, which is where you expect him to be. Yeah, I, I think, and I've said this before because we always want more and he's still a young player in this game. And it's not unreasonable to think that he can get better and improve. I know, you know, he's worked his tail off on that. And, and maybe a guy who's a 23, 24 home run guy, which we've seen him, hit those two numbers now, uh, can he jump to 30, right? Not unreal. I mean, it's a pretty big jump, but it's not a huge jump. And hopefully, perhaps, but if if you, as you say, what he's on pace for, if he's a 22, 23 homer guy, but he ups the on-base percentage by 25 or 30 points because he's walking more, you know, he may be just as valuable as the the guy who hits 30 homers run but as the lower on base percentage so um he he's in he's in a good place he'll overcome the you know the the early season issues defensively he's too talented not to we saw it on display uh last season yeah he, he's slightly higher you know walk percentage so far this year so uh he's he's been doing a good job you know in those spots pretty much right behind CJ Crone so uh, you're right. Every they've get, it's just gotten contributions from everybody up and down the lineup. It's we haven't seen the flexibility in in the lineup. I sort of think that you know Randall Grichik has been that guy. Jose Iglesias has been that guy. Jonathan Daza, where you can bat him first, second, or in in the bottom half of the lineup. Grichik, you know, was hitting eighth, I think, uh, the last couple of days, and we've saw him you know, for two weeks straight, pretty much batting third in the lineup. So they've, they've got that flexibility in there to mix and match. And that's something that the San Francisco giants definitely have is this ability where I think in San Francisco, in one of the games, Yastrzemski was, was hitting ninth in the order. 
Then uh, Brandon Belt got scratched from the game. He wasn't ready to come off uh, the IL, or he was off the IL, but wasn't ready to play. And so they put their ninth hitter in, in the third spot in the, in the in the lineup. And so it gives you a lot of flexibility, the Giants lineup does. And, and I think the Rockies could have that should they need it at some point uh, if they if the injury bug you know continues to bite them in some fashion. Yeah, the Giants, you know, are, are heavily analytically driven. And there was a game, I think, in the in the series with the Rockies where Yastrzemski, who's red hot in May, hit ninth, and he also hit first in the same series. And the reason he hit ninth was, I, you know, Freeland was on the mound, and he hit first against a right-hander. So, yeah. I, I By the way, the one guy when we were talking about offensive exploits and OPS plus and, and doing really well that I left out and should never have is, is Daza, who – you know, I, I talked about on my podcast, you could make a very uh, compelling argument. He's been one of the three best Rockies this year. No, he, he definitely has, according to Fangraph's wins above replacement. I mean, he's he's third right behind CJ Crone and Ryan McMahon and, and just ahead of Connor Joe and Jose Iglesias. So, yeah, he's been fantastic. He's, he's the guy almost you want, besides Sam Hilliard. He's the guy that you want to be able to put it all together because Sam's great defensively and Daza even better defensively than, than Hillier doesn't have that same pop, but puts the ball in play, makes things happen. Uh, it, it happened. It must've been the last homestand. You might've recalled McMahon singled, then Brendan Rogers singled right behind him. He had runners on first and second. It was in the Washington series. And then Daza hit a ground ball to Asita's Escobar in almost back-to-back innings. And Escobar made an error both times. So the identical thing happened. And, that, that only goes down if you put the ball in play. So Daza, man, it, it's been clicking for him. And and it's really good to see that that hit by pitch that he took on his hand where you thought, that's it, he, he, he's out. No, he, he rebounded. He was back in the lineup the next day. Yeah, he's got a toughness uh, to him. And, you know, I won't I won't spoil it. No, I don't spoil it here. I'll, you know, direct people to, to my podcast as well, but I won't take the time here. Um, you know, his, his story about how he got into baseball is um, – you know, a, a, a most interesting one and, and, you know, a little bit heart wrenching as well. Yeah. You, you break that down very nicely over on the Drew Goodman podcast, which is out each and every Thursday. We'll get to your guest here in just a second and Chris Forbes, but look, we're all big sports fans around these parts. And so that's why you got to check out the American Raptors, go to AmericanRaptors.com to learn all about these crossover athletes that are learning the sport of rugby in the quest to win the rugby world cup we're talking future united states national team hopefuls right here in our backyard in glendale at infinity park these are former football players basketball baseball wrestling soccer track and field athletes at the top of their sport they're coming over to rugby and you can watch all of that you can get free tickets in fact at americanraptors.com you can learn more about the sport with info on the basics interviews with com, uh, top top athletes conversations with coaches right in the sport from Colton Strickler on the DNVR rugby podcast. He's also has some really good betting tips on this year's super rugby as well. All of that and more at AmericanRaptors.com. I do want to pick your brain first, Goody, before we talk about Chris Forbes and the great work that he's done uh, in a very short amount of time uh, in his current position, but the starting rotation, Antonio Sensatella goes on the IL and with Thursday's off day, it does allow you to not necessarily address the situation because Chad Cool, who's supposed to start on Sunday, or rather supposed to start on Monday in Pittsburgh against his old club, hey, he could make the start on Sunday. 
But next week, they're on the road. Pittsburgh, Washington, they don't have an off day until June 6th. So they are going to have to add somebody to the rotation. Ty Block, Ryan Feltner, the mysterious third man. Uh, what have been your thoughts on uh, what the Rockies may do with, with the rotation overall? I'd like to see, you know, personal supposition. And, and I, you're really good about this. Always, you know, checking Albuquerque and seeing where a guy falls and, you know, if they hold him back. I'd like to see Feltner because of the guys um, that are at the AAA level, the most intriguing arm to me is Ryan Feltner. He has the best stuff. He has better stuff than Lambert. He has better stuff than, than Rollison. Rollison's hurt. Lambert's on the mend. He threw in a game the other day. That's great to see. Uh, but, you know, Feltner, Feltner has some stuff to build on. I'm, and I'm not suggesting the other guys don't. Please don't take that as being dismissive of, of Lambert or Rollison. But, but Feltner, uh, the kid out of uh, Ohio State, you know, plus fastball, He's had good numbers in a really difficult league in the PCL. So I'd like to see him to continue to get his feet wet at the major league level. We know going into every season, it's going to take a lot more than just five guys. The Rockies like their five, but now Senza's going to be down for a bit, and that's why there's an opportunity. And you're going to need closer to 10 or more starters. So I'd like to see Feltner continue uh, to pitch at the big league level when the opportunity um, is there so he can grow at this level because nothing replicates. Yeah, you're you're building up and progressing through the minor leagues to have the opportunity to play at the big league level, but it's like a hitter. You want to be a good big leaguer, you got to hit big league pitching. Everything else is, is 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 training to get to that point, but ultimately you have to do it at that level, and so that's why I'd like to see Feltner. Yeah, he's been really impressive with, with what he's been able to do with Albuquerque because that Pacific Coast League, man, is not kind to pitchers at all. And so in seven starts, 4.08 ERA, which is a, a full run better than league average, 4-1 and one, if, if you're into the win-loss record. Uh, and, and a lot of strikeouts, too. 41 strikeouts and only 35 innings pitch, which that, that might even be the most impressive number uh, he's got, and he looked well in Philadelphia. I thought again, that was that series where the defense really let him down in every which way. And I thought I, he's definitely the guy to go with, especially with Lambert on the men. I think he's got maybe one more rehab start in him until he gets added to the the five man rotation in Albuquerque. But Feltner's very much has to be that guy. Yeah, he struck out seven in five innings in Philadelphia. I thought he pitched better than the line. To your point, uh, another. Uh, thing about his his numbers at Albuquerque he actually had a low three ERA and we, he had a rough I want to say it was fifth inning uh, Patrick uh, you may know better than I uh, in his last outing they kind of skewed uh, his, his, that start and, and added you know a chunk to his earned run average to put it slightly over four uh, I said this when he had a 310 ERA in Albuquerque when he came up in Philadelphia, and that was after about four starts. I said, you mentioned Bob Gibson. I go, yeah, that's like the Bob Gibson 68 season. If you have a three after several starts in the Pacific Coast League, people are like, wow, unbelievable. So yeah, he he's, he's pitched well, and he deserves the opportunity, and he needs to continue to grow at the big league level. Yeah, and it's only Lambert and 
and who, who's still on the IL, but it's only Lambert and Feltner that's even on the 40 man. So anything else you're, you know, becomes a lot much more of a production too. So, you know, good, good some good arms there in the rotation for, for Albuquerque, but um, yeah, all signs definitely point to Feltner and you don't want to lose block in, in the bullpen too. Like that was really valuable. I, I, it was interesting when, when Senzatella went out there in the third inning uh, with, with that lower back strain, that kind of threw a wrench into the Giants game plan because they had all of their left-handers in that lineup. And then they go with block. Now the, le- the, the lefty, you go, well, how soon is Gabe Kapler going to go to his bench and start putting those right-handers in? And then, you know, there was definitely that opportunity on Tuesday night that, you know, the Rockies could, could have won that game uh, d- despite the injury. So uh, it will be interesting to see what happens with that. But your guest this week on the Drew Goodman podcast, uh, scouting director, Chris Forbes, uh, he goes into great detail on uh, on a lot of guys, and he's he's done a wonderful job so far in his post. And I've been been really impressed with with what he's been able to do. Chris is a really positive guy, he's an upbeat guy, and he really values winning at the minor league level. And I, I asked him specifically about that, and I've talked to him about that in private conversations, and also another time when I had him on the podcast and people may at first glance so you know goodman obviously winning's important well at the minor league level it's about you know development it's individual development right i mean guys are 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 fighting their butts off to keep getting elevated and hopefully one day get that call like brian servan did the other day to go to the to the big leagues um so you it's all about improving individually but he wants to make sure that within that the team concept is paramount and winning is paramount at those levels. And that has really been emphasized under his leadership. And uh, he, you know, he, he believes that's one of the reasons. And I know, you know, as close as I am with Ryan Spielborgs and Corey Sullivan, part of the reason that, that the Rockies went to the world series, no seven and had that nice run with that club was those guys, the holidays and the, and the, and the Spielborgs and the Sullivans and, that group of players, they came up together and they were accustomed to winning. And so when they got to the big leagues, um, they were able to kind of carry that forward, the expectation that it wasn't, well, I got here, I'm a big leaguer. It's, it's about all of them uh, working collectively to, to win ball games. So that's one, of the, that's one of the things I took away before we got into you know, individual players within the Rockies minor league system. Yeah. That was one of the, the 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 first conversation I had with a minor league manager. That was made abundantly clear to me that yeah, no, we're we're not here to win games. We're here to develop and so and, and to try things out. Hey, yeah, take a bigger lead, get thrown out trying to steal a base, and then you know so that you you get those out of the way now. You know what you're capable of. You know what you can do. So it makes a lot of sense. But you know, to your point, I mean, even those guys back in I, I want to say it was uh, 2012 that uh, that that Asheville team, or no, maybe it was 2013 maybe it was 2014 where the Asheville tourists, you know, ended up winning the, the South Atlantic league. And you had all those guys, Freeland, Ryan McMahon, Carlos Estevez, they were all on there and, and you saw the impact they were able to make in that 2017, 2018 run. And with all of the success that the, the Rockies had in the minor league level last year, he, you know, and he says in, in, in the conversation with you that, you know, he, he, he's not trying to dictate the ethos of the organization. He wants the, the clubhouse to figure out, what they want to do and so that they they've got that voice and they can, can you know can structure things uh, so that they can win those ball games and it's really been 
incredibly helpful, uh, not only for the win-loss record, but just at the development of those guys, uh, particularly at double-A level and lower. And it's it's really been paying dividends. Yeah, I was looking at some numbers from Hartford, the double-A affiliate in the Eastern League for the Rockies. And um, I had a conversation after um, with Chris Forbes uh, just a couple of days ago, because he's back in town. I ran into him on the field after we had taped uh, this particular show for this week's podcast. And we're talking about Ezekiel Tovar, which I know you've done a lot of uh, conversing about uh, and writing about uh, on DNBR. And, and Tovar, he had a game it's about a week ago now, Patrick, you may have noticed it, uh, where he struck out four times. And he's had a great year. He's Eastern League Player of the Month, not just Hartford's Player of the Month. He was the League, league Player of the Month in the month of April. Um, but he had, a, he had a game where he punched out four times and he chased out of the zone. And Chris, you know, he, he didn't quite put it this way, but it's important for guys to fail at the minor league level, to have to bite, bite, bite and scratch their way through a slump or a, a bad day, like four strikeouts would suggest. And Tovar, I think he went hitless in his next game, but the last couple of games I noticed, I, you know, a couple hits, a couple more hits. I think he's hit a home run since then. He's got six now. His OPS is, is over 900. So overcoming and learning, hey, how did they get me out here? What did I do? And then what did I do again that I need to correct? And that's a huge part of the developmental level. Um, and that's why when you hear farm directors like Chris Forbes say, no, we, we want them to struggle. We want them to, to have to overcome because we all know, just like the aforementioned Brendan Rogers, it'll happen at the big league level. Can you handle it? Can you find within that reservoir of experience a time where oh yeah man i remember when i went one for 15 i i got my i found my way through it it's a higher level i get it now but i i can find my way through that and and uh it was interesting to hear him talk about tovar in that regard if you're at a level where you're not learning anything and you're not being challenged that's where you build, build those bad habits and you go i can get away with this in this league and then you know, you're, you're, you look dominant or the numbers are really great. And then you go up to the next level and you kind of, you know, learn really quickly and uh, in a hard fashion that like you're not maybe as good as you think. And so that it, that challenge is also a compliment saying, no, I think like a Joe Rock and say, look, we're going to skip you at, at low A and we're going to send you uh, right up to, to Spokane because, you know, we, we, we think you can. You can do that. You're not going to learn as much uh, down in low A. So we're, you're, you get challenged that way. That's a vote of confidence. Alan Trejo, it was the same thing. He, he skipped over low A, never played with Asheville. Uh, and we see the dividends that he's you know been able to, to, to pay off the Rockies the last couple of seasons. So uh, it, it's it's interesting learning more about, about the Rockies' philosophy and in all those things and, and, and what's ahead because the, the farm system is really starting to take – steps forward we saw drew romo recently in, in the mlb pipeline rankings he moved into the top 100 i think tovar is going to be there in the mid-season rankings when things get shifted around and a guy that you know might not be a top 100 prospect but he's a guy that's going to move up the rockies ranking uh not a friend of the show but technically a family member of the show that being first baseman catcher hunter goodman who has been absolutely you know fantastic this entire season leading uh, the Rockies minor leaguers with nine home runs and 35 RBI. Wow. This guy can hit. Yeah. My nephews worked hard and, and, you know, I appreciate 
you know, he worked out with me in the off season and did a lot of flips with him. And we, you know, we, we talked the game and, you know, he's really, I'm proud of him. I mean, I think he's doing a great job. Yeah, no, he's, he's uh, been, been fantastic for multi-hit games over the last week. Right. No, I think he was the Cal all, league play of the week. Yeah. That was all a lie folks. There is no <laughs> relationship. Uh, no, he's, he's a strong dude. And you, Patrick, you know, his college stats at Memphis, he was a power hitter in college. And uh, so there's there's intrigue there. You, you can't have enough guys hit the ball over the wall, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I it, it's hard to put a comp on him. You, you think like maybe a Tom Murphy, a guy who, you know, is maybe more offense than defense. But, you know, there's still some hope because he he didn't get an opportunity to catch a lot at Memphis, I think, like in his freshman year. So he's he's still kind of getting caught up where where someone like Drew Romo, he's, he's been a catcher, you know, his, his entire life. So he's got all those reps. So it's good that he's learned first base a little bit uh, in, in case he needs to do that. The one stat that I really liked from his, his big week uh, as the California league player of the week was he had eight balls that he had hit into play, put into play at a hundred miles an hour or greater. So man, the, the dude's dude's scaring some people there in California with Fresno. Yeah. And uh, I, I've said this on our broadcasts, Patrick, the Rockies are deeper behind the plate than they've ever been. And it's such a hard position to find guys that that can impact the game two ways. One, be a great receiver and handle a pitching staff and also contribute offensively. Drew Romo looks like, you know, he's he's the star of, of the system when it comes to catchers. Don't forget Willie McIver at Hartford. Willie McIver is a really good athlete behind the plate he can hit um, they believe he's going to be good defensively uh, mark strip matters really high on him the young man you know he's 27 but brian Servin, th this isn't just hey we had you know we're just flipping a guy out they believe that brian Servin's a big league catcher and uh, we saw him the other day uh, behind the plate former arizona state product and then you go on down uh and you know, you get to Hunter Goodman. So there, there's some guys behind the plate that uh, are, are really interesting for the Rockies. Hey, even even Goodman's teammate Braxton Fulford, you know, really talented yes. catcher there too. Great, great on the defensive end of the spectrum. So yeah, yeah Rock. That's a. It's not even a problem, right? Sometimes you say, hey, it's a good problem to have too many catchers. No, you you almost can't have too many good catcher catchers in your system. Uh, you never know. Again, other teams sometimes they get real desperate and. They need to knock on your door and say, man, we need to improve our catching depth. Well, again, that, that Rockies can deal from strength there if they need to. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that, Patrick, because I'll give you an example, one that you're aware of, uh, in that when the, when the Dodgers were able to put a package together that was pleasing enough to the Nationals that they traded not only Max Scherzer, but also Trey Turner, one of the centerpieces of that trade was uh, Kbert Ruiz, who was looked upon as the top catching prospect in all of baseball. The Dodgers are set because of Will Smith behind the plate and because they had another guy in their system that's really well thought of. And forgive me, I'm, I'm forgetting his name right now. He's not in the big leagues. Is it Diego, um, Diego Cartaya, something like yeah, that? Yeah, that's what it is. Thank you. Yep. And because they had him they could let this super top prospect go in Ruiz to Washington as part of the package that, you know, was put together uh, that brought Scherzer and Trey Turner to LA. 
I yeah. think we frequently think of prospects and say, well, how, when will they impact the Rockies? When will they impact the Rockies? Well, if you have enough good ones, they may never impact the Rockies because they may be a trade chip to get somebody else that impacts the Rockies that's already, you know, arrived at the big league level. Yeah, Francisco Mejia was a name that he he was essentially like a top 100 type prospect that in the last couple of years was really valuable for, you know, Cleveland to acquire Brad Hand from San Diego. And then San Diego turned around and, and dealt him to Tampa Bay in the Blake Snell trade. So again, you know, catch, catching prospects, that's, that's a hard one where there's, there's not as many, if you go and look up and down at the top prospect rankings, you know, you, you might not see very many catchers cause they're that rare breed. They take longer to develop. I mean, Brian Servan's a guy who's I think almost never been on a top 30 prospect for the Rockies. And yet, you know, he, he's out there doing it at, at 27 years old, which is also like, that that's that's almost prime age for a lot of catchers when they reach the majors, maybe 25, 26, 27, because it's it's just one of those positions that it just takes so hard to learn the craft to the to the level that they need to have in the big leagues. Yeah, and, and even if we one day, and I hope we don't, have have you know, robo umpires, which you know, now they're in AAA, we've seen them in the PCL it's still going to be very, very important that the pitcher on the hill is comfortable with the guy who's receiving him, how he calls the game, how he sets up, how he receives the baseball. There's a huge comfort level um, with with pitchers um, that needs to be um, paid attention to. And if you have a catcher that a pitcher is uncomfortable throwing to, not good. And, And ultimately the pitcher and what he feels, as long as he's, you know, somebody, you know, that's established themselves, that's going to weigh more on decision as to, you know, who's behind the plate, um, juxtaposed against maybe what they do offensively. A couple of injury updates on some of the minor leaguers. Uh, Chris Forbes, uh, we both caught up with him just the other day. Colton Welker working his way back from uh, that shoulder issue he has. Looks like he's not going to need surgery, which is great. Benny Montgomery, his quad issue, I think he's actually scheduled to return this week. So um, good news on on the injury front for, for some of the hitters that the Rockies have in their organization. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I looked up a couple numbers. Zach Veen, you know, is still getting adjusted. He started slowly last year. Um, you know, he it, he's doing fine in Spokane. Uh, you know, nothing off the charts yet. People wondering about Zach Veen, who's the top prospect uh, in the Rockies uh, chain. But uh, there, there's a lot of names out there, and there's some young kids that we um, that are just moving over from the Dominican that are going to be playing. You know, in, in either in the fire league or or in the uh, you know in a ball, not too uh, in the not too distant future. Some some arms that uh, I know Rolando Fernandez is very excited about. Is the fire league the Arizona Complex League? Yes. I have not heard that phrase before, but I knew exactly yeah. what you meant. <laughs> yeah. Complex League, the Fire League, man. Wow. Yeah. Has it always been referred to as that or, or just now yeah. since the reshuffling? I would have, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but I know anytime that they're playing baseball in the summer in Arizona, that phrase is apropos. Wow. That's wild. Do they, do they open the stands up for those games? Do you know? Or is that just pretty much held? 
almost behind closed doors in the Arizona complex mm-hmm. league. And I think in the past that, that kind of was almost inconsequential because there were so many different, different levels, right? You had the different uh, short season leagues, but now, you know, obviously people are going to be curious to get their eyes on not only the most recent draft picks uh, for the Rockies and, and the other 30, other 29 teams, as well as, as you mentioned, the players who come over uh, from the Dominican summer league. So I'm, I'm curious. It's, it's still, it's one of those things that's just, it's unknown. It's just what's going on down in there in Arizona. It's, 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 yeah, it's interesting. I, I went down I, and I, I think you did also correct me if I'm wrong. I, I was in at the at instructional league for, for a while last uh, fall after the regular season was over. And I, and I thought you went down also, did you go to instructs for a little bit? Well, the Arizona fall league, I was, Oh, you went to the fall league. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You were, yeah. So there's a, it's a great time of year to learn about, you know, the next wave uh, or the future of a ball club and also seeing the future of some other clubs, you know, uh, some, some of the bigger names, some guys that were first round picks or, you know, earned a big bonus from, you know, Venezuela or the Dominican. Um, it's a fun time of year. Yeah. It, it, and and that goes back to, you know, a guy like Jonathan Daza, where you say, you know, where'd this guy come from? Like what's, what's his, his background? He does, they don't just magically show up or they don't just, you know, get traded from another organization. Like they've got that history and they go through all the levels of the minors and, you know, you, you need to learn about them over, over those few years that they're, they're developing. And, uh, and Hey, that's, that's what you touch on there. Uh, and this week's edition of the Drew Goodman podcast really well. So you can learn more about Jonathan Daza as well as the future Jonathan Daza's on the Drew Goodman podcast dropping each and every Thursday. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Um, what else was it? What else did I have for you? I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know. You can ask me when I'm going to shave my mustache. No, no, you're not good. Slump yet. I'm not you're slumping not in, yet. Not in a slump. You're good. You're good. I've been going clean shaven. I started the year. I, I, was it a couple of years ago? I started the year with a uh, goatee. Oh. And the Rockies got off to a miserable start. So I shaved it. Because right. I knew that if I shaved it, it would turn around the fortunes of the club. Yeah, I, I remember that article that Thomas Harding wrote about the clubhouse really appreciating. And I think they went off on a five-game winning streak after that. So that that was, you know what, your team player is what you are. Yeah, I'm just trying to do my part, That's however it. small it may be. That's right. Well, follow him. Uh, if you're not already, subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast on Twitter, at Drew Goodman 42 I'm at Patrick D. Lyons. And make sure you also follow our main account, at DNVR underscore Rockies, at the Susie Hunter as well. This has been great, but you know what they say about momentum. It's only as good as your next show. So we'll talk to you then.